Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come. This is the Eat, Sleep, Believe, Repeat Podcast. Your weekly AEW review and breakdown. Introducing first, the man of the hour. Now rise up and feed the power. It's Charlie. Charlie. Let's go! And, man... I mean, there's some fuck. It's like kind of an eventful bit of like the last like eight, nine days, whatever you want to call it. All kinds yeah. of shit popping off. But before we get into the wrestling, Charlie, there's some there's a little something that's been going on in the, in the in the universe, and it's a little TV show we've been watching. Got a little taste of it every week. A little and taste I, over the over the last nine, because you know there was like three episodes that were launched at once. Charlie, tell me what your thoughts were. On the season finale of the show Andor. Hello, what have we here? You know, Andor is just. It, how's it going, brother? Andor is just one of those shows where I've looked forward to it every week, right? And we've been kind of mentioning it here on the show. And for the people that have followed along, I mean, I, I love the ending, man. To me, it's set up the next season even better. And, and I can't believe we have to wait until 2024 for this fucking show. Son of a bitch. <laughs> um, you know what? It's going to make it better when we get there. It will. It will. It'll be worth it. It's like my season man. two. There's like a form of edging going on here where I'm like, do I want to watch Rogue One now or wait until after season nah, two? Uh, the right? thing is like, yes and no. I mean, it doesn't really matter because anything that nothing that happens in the next season can contradict anything in Rogue One anyway. So, I mean. And they're already putting people from Rogue One in this is yeah. with the prison escape guy. I mean, that's one of the guys in Rogue One with him. So. I would not like, be shocked if we saw um, – oh, crap. I looked at the name of the character earlier. The general guy that speaks to uh, uh, Jin when they first bring her in, that guy. I can't – Yeah. It's not, not Dodonna. It's like fucking the other guy. It's the uh, critic. No, no, no. It's the general guy of the – it's the rebel general guy. He's got like – Oh, yeah. He's like uh, – I think he's like one of the pilot commanders. Anyway, um, I can't think of his name, but I looked him up earlier for this purpose, and I fucking can't remember now. But anyway um, – yeah, I would agree with you. Just a really phenomenal way to end the show. Um, th- that's the most tension I've ever felt in a Star Wars show or Star Wars anything. Oh, for yeah, that dude. Matter. I like, mean, th- what the screws and bricks didn't upset you? Oh, dude. Oh, dude. <laughs> dude I'm going to tell you. you I'm going to tell you. If your problem with a Star Wars show is 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 that, I got to be honest with you. You might be looking for the wrong things that, to criticize your show. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw that out there. Like my set—I don't know, it, man. A set design is important, but like, it's not like. Imagine if you told the designers of Mad Max that they couldn't go back to the desert because <laughs> they—they've been to the desert too many times. We got to have it in a city. Well, that doesn't make any fucking sense. This is Mad Max. You know what I mean? Like, because well, the fans fuck the fans. Fuck the screws and bricks. What is the cat doing? I, I don't know, man. When I was watching that Hobbs promo this week, I just there was too many screws and bricks in the background. It just threw me off. I just that's I, true. I, it must have not been a good promo because real. it had it didn't have a realistic setting for what we expect <laughs> from a Hobbs promo. <sighs> Hobbs's promos have only ever been in backstage areas. We've never seen him in this. It's, it's uh, like Hobbs would never be there. It's so it's so unrealistic. <laughs> <sighs> we're poking fun but i mean like it is it is kind of hilarious the idea that that's that's what brings you out of the show in a show about in a universe about space wizards with laser swords a galaxy far far away and that, that's the thing that takes you out but anyway um i really really love diego luna's performance throughout the whole show yeah um 
I think Fiona Shaw and Stellan Skarsgård could potentially both get an Emmy nod uh, for their performances, especially for Fiona Shaw's delivery of that speech in spoilers in in the finale. Um, oh yeah, dude, that was something really cool. That was something special. And just both of them. I mean, just for that scene alone, either or of them could win that, that award because they play off of each other, even though they're not in the scene together at all. Like it's incredible. Um, really well done. Super dramatic. Uh, I wanted to punch that Imperial officer in the face when he kicked the droid over. Um, Dude, right? Come on. B2E, B2Emo, bro. Like it's literally also greatest name of a droid He's ever. A good boy. He needs a good pet. It, yes. Yes. <laughs> good boy. But, um, and I think, uh, I don't think I had ever, I, I, there's a lot of times when we watch these kinds of like Disney plus or whatever shows, Charlie, we're all like six episodes in. I'll be like, wow, I'm just not really feeling this. Andor had me from jump all the way through. I don't think I at any point was like, nope, I'm not in. This is, it was so well done. Um, but I don't want to spend too, too much time on this. Obviously I just wanted to talk about something we both enjoyed and have been, <clears throat> excuse me, it partaking in the last several weeks but uh yeah i mean i guess my other question before we move on from this would be does this give you excitement um going forward with the the new projects um coming out either on disney plus or just from star wars you know yeah um for the most part because up next we got our boy mando you know we're we're good fans of mando here doesn't look like that's gonna be as soon as we thought, though. I'm, that might not be till like. I think it's not... February. So yeah, and then and back, then yeah, so. we got the acolyte, which they've been adding a lot of good talent. But uh, like you, um, I have some reservations about that because I, you know, Kenobi and Boba Fett, and but you know what? At the same time, this is written by a person who doesn't really care about Star Wars. So okay, that's maybe one thing I will they can also make it a good show. Fascinating about Andor is that almost nobody involved with the show from writer, director. I mean, the directors might have had some interest in Star Wars, but like outside of like, I think like the person that did the music, I can't find a single person that gave a shit about Star Wars, which is insane because they put together a really good show out of it. Um, shout outs to, is it Solaire? I can't think of the guy's actual pronunciation because I didn't look it up, but the guy that played uh, Cyril Karn, what yeah. a performance. Um, th- that, that was just. What a what the, that I was thinking about this. I didn't like that character at first because he just creeped me out, right? But what that character has so much depth, Charlie. Oh my god! Like he's like that, I'm so excited. I really hope he becomes like a major, major character in we, <laughs> season two. Like we need to bring Tony Gilroy in to write a fucking storyline in AEW. Oh, <laughs> just, could you imagine? Oh. It's like it's like when we heard news of WWE bringing used to write House of Black versus Darby Allen and Sting. Yeah, dude, that WWE writer that that new writer that came in that was a former Marvel Comics writer was the one that started the new Bray Wyatt stuff. It's like to me, that's fucking genius. You should bring in people that can come up with creative stories like this. So, yeah, man. I mean, yeah, yeah Andor was fun. We got some. Uh, I think that's the last like really show that I'm. Looking forward to for a little bit here. I know we got nothing's the, announced. I yeah, I know we. I know we got the Last of Us coming out in January, so I'll probably try and check that out. That's uh, more of our boy Pedro. So, <laughs> but yeah, guys, um, we're about to hop into our favorites in a second here. But uh, real quick, want to thank you guys for that. Uh, checked out the Twitter. A few of you guys hit us up, uh, Lang and uh, George and some others, and 
we really appreciate that uh, letting us know. And we, like I said, we'll, we'll always follow you back. It's kind of want to create like a community within each other and uh, full gear was already our 10th most popular show we've ever done. So really excited about that. And you guys it's that like stick top around, tenor, bud. yeah, you guys that stick around throughout the entire thing. I mean, it, it makes it, it's more fun for us to do this, knowing that you guys, there's other people out there that care about wrestling and, care about the aw the story like we do and you know something we always push i know that i was kind of joking about the tony gilroy thing is bringing in more celebs and they did that this week so absolutely little, little things like that man but um yeah Grant, i know you got some stuff you want to take care of and then uh jump into our favorites since it is odds fuck what does that mean again is that me yep that's you you're oh, up first shit. I, I barely remembered that all right um <clears throat> So yeah, just before we move on to our favorite stuff, because we always like to start off with something positive. That's why we started off with the Anthill review this week. Um, I would like to go ahead and let you guys know there are a few others that have been asked to take care of. The first of which being you can follow us both on Twitter. You can follow me at Bane Duke. That's B-A-N-E-D-U-K-E. And you can follow Charlie at O-Charlie with an X instead of an A. And make sure you follow us and or subscribe to us on whichever podcast platform you happen to be listening to this on at this time, be that Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, or iHeart. Anyway, you're not going to be able to listen to it on the DaVinci app. Um, <laughs> I would invest shut in that, that down right now because um, <laughs> it's not true. Sign me up for at least like I, I throw 20 bucks news. at that app. Uh, the DaVinci app? Yeah, no. Um, it's just a button that just says, uh, well. You already know. Yeah. DaVinci? <laughs> Not important, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's the DaVinci button. But, um, which now sounds like a tag team. But anyway, um, I don't know who would be the third member. Uh, anyway, yeah, so. The sure third member? Also- no, 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 no. Bring this back. Okay. The third member. So the, v- what, what, the, the Vuso twins, correct? Uh, the Davinci Brothers, whatever it yeah, doesn't matter. The Davinci Brothers, <laughs> the third member, and I mean this, Minoru Suzuki. Oh my god! I was gonna say Zach Clayton, but uh, hey, I'm with you. Who the fuck is Zach Clayton? That's true, actually. Who the fuck I'm is that? I'm better than you, and you know it. That guy certainly doesn't know who he is. Anyway, um, so yeah, and uh, see, so, yeah, so I did that. I did that. Uh, so what else is there? I think that's pretty much everything that I normally have to take care of. I don't think I missed anything, did I? <laughs> Nope. Perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So with that being said, we'll jump straight into the favorites this week. And since as we said it's odds, I'm gonna be taking the taking the taking the lead, taking you know, jumping up on the bump, you know, I'm taking throwing that first pitch, and uh, it's gonna be a little bit of a just a straight fast you know, it's a little bit of a meatball fucking fastball down the middle, because it's exactly what everybody expects. It's Orange Cassidy versus Jake Hager. Um for the All Atlantic Championship, um, Orange Cassidy continuing to put on just like the greatest title reign of all time. I don't know how he's going to keep doing this, but I can't wait till we review his title. It's going to be so fucking good. Every match, I mean, name a is there been a bad match? I no, mean, they've like, all been enjoyable in their own way because the guy is just so fucking. Because and I thought this when I was like thinking when he first got the title, I was like, man, he's kind of like perfect to be a mid card champion. Not that I think he only deserves to be in the mid card; he could be a world champion too, but just not for very long. I don't think. I think only would be really weird for a while but um maybe i could be wrong about that too but he's just so perfect because you don't he doesn't have the same match ever you know and but his moveset is really consistent and so people can invest it's like it's and and enough people can 
do enough different with him every time that it doesn't get stale. It's like the perfect champion. Um, we had uh, <clears throat> Hager steal the glasses, put them on. He attempted to steal the hat. Hager shut him down, said no. Devastating kicks. Cassidy then claimed the hat and did uh, some matador moves on Jake Hager, which I just popped. <laughs> um, and I just threw it in my notes at this point. What is just a, what a perfect collision of because Hager is doing this comedic thing right now, and obviously towards Cassidy, so. Just perfect timing for him. I almost wonder if Hager was like, I've been kind of funny lately. I need to do something with this. And then he's like, you know what? Who else is funny? It's fucking Orange Cassidy. I could get yeah. a title shot. It's like, yeah. I could totally see Hager thinking like that. Um, we had a battle for the pockets. And uh, Cassidy did a little trust fall onto the best friends off of the apron Good at stuff one point. here. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, so, somehow... Um, Hager was able to take a bump even though he was stepping on the hat at the time. I don't know how he got any traction. That was insane. Um, and then he got uh, rolled up with a Kaze door, or as I, I think it's literally called, what do they call it? It's like a, oh, the inside cradle. I hate that version of it. It's, nah, it's Kaze, Kaze door roll up, yeah. Yeah, it's a Kaze door for the win, which I like to see. I like to see those, you know, it's a very Orange Cassidy move to, to win with a roll up type move. So I like it. I like it. And uh, yeah, just a really fun match. And I always like Jake Hager. I still think he's one of the most underrated. He's not going to win my most underrated award this year. Unfortunately, he didn't wrestle enough. It's the, oh, the truth good reminder. Yes, guys. Uh, we're like three weeks out from our award show. So Yeah, so people are making a, a big push coming. right now like to, to get in. Like, And uh, yeah, so I've been, so that's one of those ones that I'm like kind of looking at, you know, because it's a little yeah. more subjective. But um, yeah, no, I mean... Just like I said, a really fun match. Did you have any thoughts on this? Uh, Agreed. Uh, and, and here's what I'll say: I, I, there, this match was, um, it was, there was some divisiveness here, right? There's people that find the hat thing funny, and some people that don't. So the people that don't find the hat thing funny, this didn't work for them at all. Could totally get it if 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 this hat thing with Hager is really like kind of bugging you. Although I don't know, a lot of people that watch this company, I feel like you kind of know. You know what the vibe is, but hey, that is what it is. To me and to you, the hat thing, it works for both of us. Fedhead freaks. <laughs> the hat thing really works for me. And to me, it's adding a dimension of Hager's personality that I, I've we've yet to touch in AEW. And honestly, that's the one thing he's kind of missing, right? We just yeah. we don't know enough about him. He's, he's been a heater. But he's that only gets been... him so far. You know, like, I want to know more about Hager. Maybe Hager should get a fucking promo. Maybe instead of Jericho or Sammy or Garcia, maybe yeah. let Hager talk a little bit next time. Fuck it. He's the, he's, he's the heater, the MMA heater that, you know, he's a former WWE guy. So mm-hmm. he's, he's always had a little bit of respect there for that. But we're unleashing a new level of personality to him. And it, to me, it works. It's actually making me like him more. I'm trying to think, are there any other former amateur, like pure amateur wrestlers in AEW that I can't think of off the top of my head? Like he's the one guy. The only one I can think of that. And yeah, it's Paige Van Zant. So well, that's maybe that's they the can one I can an think angle of. where like the two of yeah. them beat some people up as like a team. I, I remember that was some talk for a while was that he was going to join American top team. And I was really excited for that. And that fucking whole faction got deleted. So, Deleted, yeah, because we got boxers, but that's about it. Um, when it comes to the match, I'm with you. This, this to me worked on every level. Absolutely. I, I found myself. I am so into Orange Cassidy right now, and mm-hmm. with this title, I'm hooked on all of it. And you know, let's touch the aftermath here, right? 
Yep. So QT Marshall and the factory interrupt. His mic is quickly cut. Now, when he interrupts, I'm actually really excited because we've been talking about yep. there's stuff here with the factory. And I think QT could get a title run with one of these uh, non-world titles. And there's some serious money there. And if he ever does it, it will elevate the group of the factory because he's going to run this group until he's done. This is the Nightmare Factory is probably his end game after he's done being in ring wrestler. Yeah, right? probably. Pre- so presumably, this, yeah. The factory is going to be here. This is this is going to be a thing. And if you just get one title in there, next thing you know, everything's elevated. So I'm thinking, here we go. But my God, something even better happens. The lights go out. Julia Hart is there. The House of Black are in the ring. They annihilate the best friends in Rocky Romero. The factory, they're, start, they're starting to applaud. And the Malachi buddy and Brody demolish them as well. Mm-hmm. Security guards are getting whipped up. But, yeah, they all suffer the same fate. That's some crowd, sick new music, too, by the way. They did. The crowd went nuts. My God, Gary. God, is it, it feels so good to have him back, man. Like I, I know this he needed time. I'm glad he got the time the arm that, that I think we all have been waiting for. Yes. There's so much and talent dude, returning. Oh, my God. You know what this makes me think that we're headed towards? Elite versus House of Black. I, I think so too. And you got two months to – you got what? About seven weeks now f- until the last Elite and Death Triangle yeah, thing. Yeah, because if it does go the distance, they're going to take a like two-week break for uh, – or what is it? Like a week or two break on the way up to winter is coming. Yeah, and then January 4th is the one where we don't have a match. And then – because yeah. that's – Kenny's going to be at Wrestle Kingdom. Do you so, think he'll actually wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom? Do you think they'll have time to put him in something? Yeah, he's, he's going to face Will Ospreay. Oh, has that been announced? I actually yep. don't know. Okay, yeah, I for the United States title. Announced. I yep. know the last thing I'd heard was it wasn't announced necessarily. Yeah, and I'm assuming FTR is going to wrestle too. So you would assume so. We're going to – yeah. We'll, we'll be uh, – I think we'll be talking a little bit of Wrestle Kingdom when that comes around. Oh, yeah. And we still need to check out that FTR and Jeff Cobb and Ogredo Con match. And we yeah, can figure out where what the, the hell, hell that is. happened. So I'm with you. I think the whole segment worked to me and yes. definitely worthy of a favorite. And I Absolutely. think what, – what, now let's jump into my favorite – which again, yeah. this Hell is gonna, yeah. this is probably the uh, uh, the most uh, the most predictable click. choice you could have ever. It, it, it's most predictable out of me, and it's the most media click thing all week, right? Because you guys know what we're talking about here. It's Death Triangle first, the Elite in Chicago. Holy shit! The, the reaction to these guys. Came in, buddy. Oh my god, this was awesome. <laughs> oh, this was Shawn Michaels in fucking Canada, right? What's it, Montreal? Literally, it was Shawn Michaels in Montreal Heat. That's literally what it was. Like. Yeah, and they were booing the shit out of him. He couldn't even hear Carry On, Wayward Son. Pack had a face mask on. Um, I know. Imagine being the guys getting booed in a match when there's guys literally fighting over hammers to hit you with. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? What what got the most clicks here? The match itself, really fun. I mean, it was elite versus death triangle, and they they held no punches, right? But what is everyone talking about? Well, <laughs> Kenny Omega bit pocket. <laughs> When I, I actually <sighs> didn't catch Dynamite Live, but when I saw the clip of this, I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Of course they did. And this is going to lead into another topic here in a second, but that wasn't it. Um, Matt went for a buckshot lariat and uh-huh. busted his ass, just like CM Punk. Yep. And then our closer here, which is what, what we ended the match with, was Kenny 
hit a GTS unpack. So, and some hammers get going in here. Penta ends up hitting Matt with a hammer. Pack steals the pin, this and that. But three strict references. Garrett, I now feel pretty comfortable saying I think CM Punk's probably going to come back. And I think I they might actually... why everyone keeps saying that. I no, wholeheartedly dude, disagree. I, okay, okay. That's fine. But I, I the proof's in the pudding now because now, this same day... Now, we weren't going to talk about this for news, but the same day Kenny kind of said, we can't talk about the all-out stuff. Like, just drop it. I wish everyone would drop it, this and that, yada, yada, yada. Two days later or the same – one day later, we hear, yeah, they're no longer going to release CM Punk. Well, that's because they probably don't want him to go wrestle elsewhere, this or that. You can speculate or a whole bunch of things. I, with it being this heavy-handed, if they would have just done the bite, yes, I, I could – I could be like, okay, you know, that makes sense. They just did the bite. It is what it is. And, uh, fuck, hold on. I, I listen, listen, I will say this. Uh, Fun references, cool stuff. I just, I don't understand. Like, I guess why even mess with it right now? Because we can't, we're not getting, he's not going to be back for months. You know what I mean? Well, they messed with it because they get the heat in Chicago, but I don't think they would have messed with it that hard unless he was coming back. And I'm telling you right now, if CM Punk returns and the first thing we see him do is knock down a fucking door like Big Bird, I'm going to pop for that too. (laughs) Straight up. I'm going to pop for that too. If he like super kicks a fucking door down. Just yeah, to kind of, you super know, he goes up to the, it just says young bucks and he just super kicks the door down. And literally, I will pop out. for that too. But it was so heavy handed. And look, if if he's not coming back and it's just for fun, it's also just for fun. It is what it is. They're getting the heat in Chicago. They go to I Chicago just, like five I, I times know. a year. I, so. I, at this point, I don't. I, I guess maybe at this point, I just don't want him to come back because, like, I feel like everything got fucking ruined by that stupid press conference, man. Like, and. I think on a on a level, I feel I'm I'm the same way with you. I personally don't want him back. We already moved him from the game too, right? So I don't know if that's officially been. Done. I mean, it, it would well, be from the cover, stupid if he's not in the game. He's not like, on the cover, so that's a big selling point for that game. Let's be real, because CM Punk hasn't been in a new WWE style fighting game in like since like 2K13 or something like that. Like you know, I think she might have been in like 14, 15, but like whenever he left, you know what I mean, like. Like around 2014, 2015, whatever that was. But, you know what I mean? Like, but man, there is there is money there. So, yeah. Um, other than that, Death Triangle going up 2-0, I think is the right call here. Yes. Now and that, it leaves them options. They could end up. They could tie it up 2-2, and then each get a win. Or they could also. They could. I. I still. I think my perfect scenario is that the Elite go down 3-0, and they have to do a reverse sweep to win them. I think that'd be so dramatic. That'd be fun too. That would be. It's a not lot how AEW does things. Because if that was the case, like some long shot guy would actually win, win a tournament ever, you know, like yeah, that's not how AEW books things. So we'll see. So yeah, uh, any any thoughts from this match and uh, our our trios title matches again? The, the way of the hammer continuing to hammer. pay dividends. Yeah, um, that's all. I mean, that's about pretty much it. That's, that's all. Else. Everything else, you pretty much they hit each other really hard a lot of times, you know, um, and they hit some cool moves. And Kenny and Kenny got to to bite somebody in the arm. I'm guessing that was the exact spot he got bit too, because that's where it was when yeah, it's all those. There was photos. that one interview with Kenny about six weeks ago where you could see the bite mark on him. Mm-hmm. So 
I think that was the exact spot. I can't believe he got fucking bit. Like an ace the biter steal. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, but yeah, man. So we got a little bit of news here. Nothing crazy. And then we're going to jump into results. And we go Elevation, Dark, Dynamite, Rampage. And then we talk a little bit about next week. But we got some fun stuff to talk about here. Uh, kicking us off with the news. Great Muda is the team with Sting and Darby Allen in his retirement match. So that will be in Pro Wrestling Noah, January 22nd, 2023. Opponents are yet to be announced. It is the Great Muda final bye-bye. So, I'll tell you who I'd like for the last three opponents to be. <laughs> who's that? Kanosuke Takeshita, Junakayama, and Minoru Suzuki, please. Thank you. I'm down. I'm down. Just some old meaty men slapping the meat and the, some young men slapping the meat as well. I mean, can you imagine that? That's basically a singles match between Darby and, and Kanosuke. On top of, you get a little tag match with the other four, who I'm sure could still figure some shit out. And also, I, I just want to see Mizora Suzuki hit Sting, because I feel like Sting would no-sell it. It'd be fucking amazing. Oh, yeah. So MJF has been uh, talking some shit since he's been world champion. And he has teased a UFC 282 appearance after some online beef with uh, Patty Pimblett. So he, he pretty much told Mark Raimondi of ESPN, I wouldn't be shocked if the AEW World Champion shows up in December 10th in Vegas. So they might do a little thing here. Patty, again, he is very popular in circles online because he does this dancing and shit to the ring. And he's always got little funny press conferences. And he seems to be a guy that a lot of people just like and want to root for. Garrett, this brings new eyes over. I have zero problem with this. Same. I'm with you. I, I say the same thing every time. As long as it brings more eyes to the products, it isn't unnecessary. It doesn't suck. I'm good. Do whatever yep. you got to do. So um, the New Japan World Tag League is going on right now and the Junior Tag League. But we're going to focus on the World Tag League right now because FTR are the champions, right? And the winner of this is going to face them at Wrestle Kingdom. So what are the standings right now? Well, the only undefeated team is Aussie Open, Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher. Huh. 3-0 and at six points. Tetsuya Naito and Sonata at four points. Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer at four points. Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi at four points. Great Okan and Eric Nanari at four points. TMDK, the former uh, TM61, Shane Haste and Mikey Nichols at four points. Then we got Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens at two. Hiroshi Tanahashi and Toru Yano at two. Evil and Yujiro Takahashi at zero. And then Alex Coughlin and Gabriel Kidd also at zero. So, any of those um, stick out to you? I mean, obviously Aussie Open, right? That's the way. I, they could do something with Archer and Suzuki because Suzuki's <laughs> yeah. been on like kind of like a semi-retirement run that's like been like it's not really his retirement run, but like he's getting up there in age, so everyone knows like he's, they're going to be his last matches, and he's been fucking delivering at everything. So like, yeah, I would also buy in pretty heavy to FTR versus Tetsuya Naito and Sonata. I gotta yeah, say, I, I, I could also see. I'd bite in. Dude, dude honestly, what was it Tanahashi and uh, Inyano? Yeah, that's Toriano, a good team too. Yep. You yeah. know, um, that, that's a really solid team too. It, honestly, and that's the great thing about New Japan Tag Tournaments. Almost anybody that's going to win, <clears throat> it's going to be good. You know what I mean? Like New yeah, Japan tournaments absolutely. in general. If it's for something, like if it's not just like, oh, who's the best tag team? Like if it's going to potentially de- <clears throat> uh, determine contendership, then yeah, I mean, you know, it makes complete sense. So yeah, um, 
that's it for news. And uh, yeah, once we get into elevation and dark, we'll we'll be breaking down like uh, the Thunder Rosa title reigns. And then what's going on with the baddies? We'll also get into that because I think uh, I haven't seen any of this online, but I think Garrett, I might have uh, uncovered something here. So yeah, Garrett, if you want to take us through elevation, I'll get us through dark. All right, AEW Dark Elevation, episode number 90. I better, all right, first of all, before, because I realize it's fucking 90, so we're 10 episodes away from episode 100. If I don't get a goddamn Emmy Soccer on a pole match for episode 100, <laughs> I'm going to be pissed. Hey, I'm down. Um, Bring back no, Sakazaki, too. Ooh, oh. Or we could do, like, Kendo Stick on a pole, because that'd be fun. Anyway, um, because no one's done one of those matches in, like, forever, so that'd be Sky fun. Sky Blue but, on a pole. Oh. Sabu with a kendo stick on a pole. Sabu with a kendo stick and what was the chick they always put? Jody, no, wait, the fuck? Jody something? I can't think. I was going to say Judy, Judy, Judy Bagwell on a pole. Oh, shit. <laughs> da Vinci? Yes. The, oh, da, yes. The Da Vinci boys on the fucking pole match. Let's go. Anyway. <laughs> Let's go. Anyway, speaking of – no, I'm just kidding. Uh, imagine if they were the first match. That'd be great. And the opening match of AEW Dark Elevation episode 90, we had the Butcher and the Blade and El Toro Blanco Roosh, taking Roosh. on some Jabberinos. And uh, Blade chopped him to pieces. That's what I put in my notes, because he did. Apparently, the guy's name was Doug. I don't remember Doug. Doug being his name, but Doug apparently was his name. Got obliterated by an elbow or a forearm, whatever the hell you want to call it, from Roosh. And then he hit him with the bull's horns for the W. Okay, so I've been asking for weeks now for them to give me some fucking clarification for what the fuck AW heals. <laughs> like, because I have no fucking clue, right? Because it's, it's like fucking like shadow fucking organization shit. It's like the goddamn cabal that's running the goddamn company. No, but anyway, for, I'm joking, obviously, but like it's so goddamn like not public. I don't know why they've been like that, but like I guess it kind of makes sense because what what this clip described was like it's like a women's online wrestling like fandom safe space kind of which i'm all for but i just wish i understood more about what it was and maybe that would help with maybe the membership i don't know but not that i'm saying that it's down i don't have any statistics i'm saying i'm i'm, I'm assuming it's not like huge because nobody really i mean they had to do a, like this campaign that anyway so but that being said the next match we had on the show was emmy sakura and leva bates taking on willow and Sheeta. um and Sheeta was sporting the Ice Ribbon and Regina D-Wave Championships. We got some tea time. We got a little We Will Chop You. Um, we had uh, Charlie. We had confirmation. Knowledge is power. A book was used as a weapon. Um, so that's. And then we picked up the win with the katana. So pin for Sheeta there. I don't actually remember who got pinned. I'm assuming it was Leva. Um, that's my assumption. I don't actually know that though. It might have been at me. Uh, and in the next match, we had Brian, Brian, the machine, Brian Cage. Unbreakable fucking machine. Taking it on Brandon Gutlet, Gutler, Gutlet, Gutlet, Gutlet. Taking him out. Uh, Colt, uh, Nana stole the cold spray and failed with it. That was funny. Um, Cage snow sold everything, which was funny. Um, we picked up the win. I'm going to say with either the drill claw or the weapon X, but I'm not, I don't really know because it wasn't said by commentary but he definitely hit a discus lariat and that's how he picked up the win so um and in the next match this next match was actually a kind of on paper a banger uh, it didn't get much time but man i saw this match and i was like hold up it was leon ruffin 
Hot Sauce Tracy Williams, which might be the greatest name ever. Yeah, that's and a great name. Tony Deppin, which is just a dream to you. My some of my favorite fucking guys that are you know enhancer talent for AEW, taking on uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society, aka 2.0, and Garcia. And Hager was at ringside. Um, everybody in this match had like 100 championship history, pretty much, which was pretty fucking wild. Yeah, except maybe Deppin, probably not. But I don't actually, I don't know. But um. Leon Ruffin is actually a ninja. That's just a fact. Um, they did tandem DDT in a dragon sleeper. Um, and Paul White, during this commentary, decided he was going to defend Ian Riccoboni. And I just got to say, I respect that, Paul White. Yeah. Someone should stand up for our boy Ian. Our boy Ian. Um, <laughs> Ian. Fucking, fucking Ian Wikipedia himself. Um, we had uh, why the fuck does it say that? It's Mercedes Martinez. Why the fuck does it say Marina? The fuck? Anyway, um, I did not write that in my notes, but okay. The Mercedes Martinez got a win. Um, she had a nice lockup. Uh, I was saying in my notes, I think she's been waiting for a match for a while. Along the yeah. line, the vertical suplex. She did a. And this is what I put in my notes. She did a spine adjustment via spine buster, <laughs> and then she picked the win with Veracity Sleeper. Um, I thought that was a good line. Anyway, um, and then we had Wheeler Yuta taking on Charlie. The fuck is Zach Clayton? Hello, what have we here? Um, and <laughs> Zach Clayton, like a true jobber, thought he was playing WWE 2K and taunted for too long, and then he got picked up. And then it was a right angle. Excuse me, a right angle slam and some hammer and anvils, which led into the seatbelt for the win for Wheeler Yuta. Um. Which now that I think about it, didn't get paid off at all. Where the fuck was Wheeler? Anyway, uh, we hmm. had the Trust Busters, uh, which was I believe Kiss and Navari plus a wrestler named Encore, who is apparently uh, pretty well known. Um, I just don't know them off the top of my head. Uh, took on, uh, I almost said Jeff Hardy. That would be a fucking. That would be. That would be a headline. Matt Hardy and Private Party. Um, Davari put 50 grand on the line that the jobber helped them win, which if you really think about it would be huge. Yeah, dude. Like they should win that match. Like, I'm sorry. If you have, if you put 50 grand on the line, I'm winning. I don't give a shit. You know, like, um, Mark Quinn did some flippy shit. They did an electric chair springboard drop kick, which I thought was a cool combo move. Um, there was a little diving senton, uh, AKA, you know, the diving swanton, whatever you want to call it for the win. And then uh, Matt Hardy stole Davari's money. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. I thought Encore had a good look. And uh, he was, I believe, earlier in the month, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about him and Dante Martin. If that's, if I that's think what I, I remember. remember. Yeah. I, and it was a pretty good familiar, match. But he wasn't so. like super like sticked out. But I'm sure he'll probably get brought back since they made a big deal out of him. Um, I also wouldn't mind the Trustbusters doing something like this. Like if Kiss and Davari are going to be on anyway, maybe they're not going to have a third person, you know, make something out of it at least. Like that's very much seems like something Davari would be like, yeah, let's just at least make something out of it. In the next match, we had Drip Sabian. And that's what he's going to be called from here on out because that man brings the drip. I'm sorry. With Penelope, super bad Penelope Ford, took on Alex Reynolds. So this is the second week in a row we've gotten this match. Well, actually, I don't know if we did it last week. We did it a couple weeks ago anyway. This is the – they ran it back, okay? And uh, Silver, Uno, and Vance came out for the match, but they went back to the back because the Dark Order doesn't actually support their teammates. 
Um, it's the truth. Um, and he hit him with a pre-bell attack. Anarchist suplex, double stomped him, but then it got counted into a crucifix. One, two, three. Alex Reynolds picked up the win. Charlie, what the fuck? I guess we have to run it back again. Roll it again. And in the main event of the evening, we had the best friends in Orange Cassidy taking on a team that you said you wanted literally last week, Charlie, which was the Factories, Aaron Solo, Cole Carter, and Big Shoddy Lee Johnson. Mm-hmm. Let's go and, uh, with this trio. Yes. And Paul White was uh, mediating on commentary, keeping keeping uh, Daddy Magic from fucking popping Ian in the face. And because uh, he will. They had a nice half and half soul food combo. There was a really nice hot tag for Orange in this match. He had a hell of an EDT cell from Big Shoddy. Uh, Orange punches all around. We got two pile drivers and a beach break to win it. And I thought Paul White had some good energy in this episode. I'd like to see it more. Paul White. Just sounds bored some weeks. I'm just going to be honest. Um, and with yeah. that being said, you yeah. know, he does. He does. He checks out sometimes. And um, mostly when it's just him and Mark, I think, because it's, you know, it, it, they know. But it's not anything against them. It's just not the best commentary team. Um, but that being said, Charlie, go ahead and take us through AW Dark episode 171. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, this was taped before the uh, Rampage in Newark. So. We start off, we got the varsity athletes who took on Dean Alexander and Rosario Grillo. This kind of went exactly how you thought here. Just Nice and Woods kind of running shit. Nice took out Alexander and got back in the ring and hit the 1RM, a double-team angle slam for the win. Um, Mike Posey still doesn't have any eyes, by the way. No, he doesn't. Willow Nightingale and Marina Shafir. When this was the second match, I was like, whoa, okay, two signed wrestlers. Let's, Let's run it. And, and by the way, holy shit, they actually gave Marina a song. What the fuck? They did. What? Yeah, they, they added on top of that song that she had that was awful and boring. And now it's actually kind of hyped. And God, I got to tell you, I was I was unaware that this was the match. And when it happened, I was a little excited. So, and yeah, Nightingale, she went off the ropes, got hooked by Guerrero. Uh, Shafir wanted to take advantage, but Nightingale moved and hit her Dr. Doom for the win. So... That was called the Dr. Bomb, but if she called it the Dr. Doom, that would be a good name. It would be pretty sweet. Uh, Wheeler Yuta took on and defeated the KM. Pretty quick work here. You know what's something I interestingly noticed about this? This match. What's that? Wheeler Yuta's gear did not have any references to the Black Bull Combat Club. I hope that's not a fucking sign going forward, though. I'm just saying. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good note there. Ethan Page is backstage with Matt Hardy and Private Party, who works for the firm. He bragged about all the money the three have been earning, both in the ring and at the merch stand. Page says he's going to break Hardy eventually, potentially foreshadowing that character coming back. Uh, Page told the three that the trio's match next week against their toughest opponent yet, the Wingmen. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, any thoughts on who that trio might be? Are we just going to do Nemeth, Avalon, Benoni, or are we going to throw J.D. Drake in there maybe because the association? Probably not J.D. Drake. Yeah, they're probably trying to keep him with the workhorseman a little bit right now. <clears throat> well, didn't fucking uh, Anthony Henry literally cut a promo saying he doesn't give a shit if he tags other people? Like, Yeah, so yeah, we'll see. I'm just saying. Like, that's oh, the best oh, it's got to be Nemeth. We got to get like our boy Nemeth. Benoni, but I think that's still the best trio they have if you have all four of them still, you know, like, but... Jake Hager um, took on Bryce Donovan with the purple hat that he likes. And, uh, yeah, he, a Hager bomb was landed. He decided to clamp on the Trinlock. 
Donovan fought out, springboarded into a Uranagi. Higa put Donovan to sleep with a head and arm choke. Hell yeah. It's called a Kate Gatami, according to Taz. Hey. Ty Mello took on Sky Blue. And, uh... Hello, what have we here? <laughs> I love Sky Blue. Um, and Ty Mello, this is a... Again, I'm like, whoa, two signed wrestlers. I actually don't know who's going to win this. And they you let didn't? him actually go I knew a little who was bit here. Win this. I'm not. I'm. I'm sorry. I just, I knew, but okay. And uh, yeah, Melo hit a really good dragon screw for, onto the mat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay choked Blue in the corner while the ref was distracted. Uh, after some control, Blue ran back with a Rana and a jumping knee. A side kick from Blue got the two count. Melo cut her off with a German suplex and a running knee for a two count. Blue countered the TKO with a roll up for two. She hit a code red, but Jay distracted the referee. Melo got Blue in a modified octopus hold for the win. So, yeah, after the match, Jay choked out Blue before Willow Nightingale came down to run them off, which we play into on uh, Dynamite. Hell yeah. Roosh, Leon Ruffin. I was like, oh, shit, another match? Nope. Uh, Roosh fucking killed him. <laughs> Drilled him with the bull's horn. Very quick victory. Leon Ruffin, um, one another guy trained by AR Fox, so... If people were wondering, oh, who is AR Fox trained? So when they pop up here and there, I'll, I'll be sure to point them out if I notice it. But yes, yeah. Leon Ruffin is one of the guys that AR Fox trained. He is, he could be Garrett. If if we get to a spot where, I still think Leon Ruffin's a very very easy Ring of Honor signing. It's not even a question. Like thousand percent. And you know we we've brought in Madison Rain to do some coaching. Serena Deeb was originally brought in to do some coaching, but they kind of oh, they are would be great for some of the young high flyers because he knows exactly. all of them anyway. If we play matches with them because we got QT and Preston Vance kind of running the factory, mm-hmm. uh, the Nightmare Factory. If we bring in Air Fox to also help train, because you already got Danielson teaching people shit too, so it's oh, like yeah. all the knowledge. Just keep bringing in all this knowledge, you know. Don't it's tell Punk though; he'll get upset. While Regal's there, when he's there, Regal's there. Yes, that's what he's doing too. Is trading people in the ring just every for hours? You know, he's just going in the ring. So, so you know. yeah, we love seeing that. So our main event here: the Dark Order and the Trustbusters. Pretty good main event: Alex Reynolds, Eva Luna, and John Silver taking on Ari Davari, Jeeves K, and Sunny Kiss. Again, I wish this was Parker, but that's okay. Yeah, Eva Luna and K kind of started us off here. Reynolds tagged in and hammered K. I thought it was pretty nice. Kiss ended up tagging in. She had a really nice 450 on Reynolds at the cover-up broken up by Uno. Davari tagged in, hit a two-count after the kitchen sink knee. Uh, Jeeves K, who I haven't been too impressed with. I, I, I can't say this match was the turning point for me. It was kind of just there. Really? A lot of people like Jeeves. I've seen all. I've only seen positive stuff about Jeeves, I feel like. Yeah, I have not been a, the biggest fan of his addition to the Trustbusters. I thought you know, adding... I'm, I'm going to blow your mind really quickly. I don't okay. think he's an addition, Charlie. You know, we haven't seen Parker Boudreaux in weeks. I think he's done. I think he's gone. That would be very upsetting. Because he hasn't been on anything and they haven't mentioned him. So it doesn't yeah. mean he's gone. He could just be hurt or something. I it, hope it's not. It's usually not a good sign, AW. When you I, just thought, get I thought bringing in Sonny Kiss was a step in the right direction. Even maybe someone like Encore, if we're going to bring in someone like that. But Jeeves just hasn't – he hasn't turned that tide for me just yet. So I'm, I'm hoping, you know, maybe he can. But uh, the Pendulum Bomb was eventually scored for the win for the Dark Order. And we got some more of the Dark Order. We're going to touch into it about a little bit here when we get into Rampage. But that's it. This for, Rampage, baby. <laughs> that's it for Elevation and Dark. And uh, 
Yeah. Let's uh let's jump into dynamite, right? Dynamite, we open up. Diabolical. Regal is standing in the ring. We have to wait until next week to hear from MJF. Man, the crowd did not want to hear that. That what the hell happened there? That got lost in translation. I the crowd was so hot that I think the Regal saying that, that was a little unfortunate. They, but they really wanted this segment to succeed. And so what's the segment, right? Regal's out there. He's got to address what happened, right? Is, he doesn't want to come to Chicago, but he's on set of a major motion picture, which was actually legit. Moxley's music interrupts. The crowd walks the new former world champ. Moxley's about to go at Regal. Danielson quickly hits the ring. And he tries to hold back Moxley. Danielson said they've all done bad things in their careers and asked Moxley not to hurt Regal. He slapped Moxley to try to get him to calm down. Danielson said the struggles Moxley has dealt with, his father suffered the same struggles. Danielson couldn't understand, so Regal helped him. Danielson mentions Moxley's daughter and how this could help her with her own father. Again, as I'm saying this, it sounds like some deep cuts that I think it could have played off differently in a different segment maybe. Um, Moxley then gets in Regal's face. He says he, he only wants Regal to do one thing, run far away from him and never come back. Regal retreated. The crowd goes, hey, hey. Hey, hey. Goodbye. So, yeah. Danielson and Moxley, they're still going to be a team. That's what I'm getting out of this. And, you know, Regal's probably maybe shifting to more of a backstage role. Or if you're reading some of the dirt sheets, he's going to WWE. <laughs> Yeah, he only signed a one-year contract, and he's going straight back, of course. Cause, Which, you know. I, I, th- I think he came in Revolution, so he still got another, like, three months. So Yeah, so. But what did I think of the segment? And then, uh, I mean, I'm kind of with the crowd here. I think we were, we were expecting a, br- a, a big segment here with MJF. Even though they never announced it, it just felt like it was going to happen, right? I got to be real with you. I don't know what MJF could have come out and said. Like he would have come out and said something that was good, but I don't know if he could have ever. Lived I just, up to I the really hype think the, the of, crowd was ready. Let's to explode. be real. We can joke around about it and say whatever, but like the, MJF winning the world title is the biggest thing that's ever happened in AEW. Like, yeah, I think the crowd was just ready to explode. So maybe this would have been a week where I would have just thrown out the fucking Death Triangle music first to open us up, but. No, you want it, it makes sense if you think about it. No, you, you, want, you had to you had to go. You no, they did the right thing. You had to address this because it ended the show. Yeah, and, you, and that's what everyone was thinking about and still talking about. So you had to at least I acknowledge think, it at the start of the show. This, there was so. a promo a couple months ago where I, I felt the same way. I think they said the right things. I just don't think it came across the way it was intended to on the screen. But when I read the messages here with Danielson and talking about Mox's daughter and, and how Regal helped him. It's this emotional, deep thing. Yeah. Like, it just didn't I, feel I, like it delivered that panic way to me. registered in his voice, which yeah. not everybody that's trying to do that can sound convincing, especially in wrestling, you know, like, so. Exactly. And, like, so like and, the references any other thoughts that, on this one that you got? Yeah, I liked the references to Danielson's actual father while he was trying Same. to protect his wrestling father. I thought that was some pretty real shit. Um because if you've ever listened to Danielson or Regal talk about it, they, they view each other as a father and son dynamic, you know? Like, that's that's how they are, you know? Um, <clears throat> and so it makes sense that he would do everything that he could to protect that guy. Um, and you completely understand where Mox is coming from. So, like, I just... 
I think I, I think part of what it is is a lot of us aren't ready to be done with the Blackpool Combat Club yet, and I think that's essentially what this is signaling: is that whether or not Mox and them stay together, whether Wheeler sticks with them, whether whatever the whatever the hell happens out of all of this, right? Which I imagine will, regardless of how things go, result in Claudio going his own way, regardless because he wasn't supposed to be part of the group in the first place, you know. Um, I think I think this is when we get back to. A reset almost where it's now they're just a tag team and it's going to upset some people I'm sure. But like, I, I just don't think we needed MJF here. It would have been huge, but I don't, yeah. I don't think we needed him. I think if we are so reliant on needing MJF, then maybe he shouldn't be a world champion. Like, yeah, he'll be the biggest champion we could have, but he might be more useful just to have one because you could have him on. And also have whoever your big world champion is on the same show, you know? That's kind of the gambit of MJF. Is like once oh, yeah. he becomes champion, I, I you better have some good contenders. Really to eat here. I mean, I think the thing that would have sucked is that you couldn't have you couldn't have set up his next contender here because you haven't had the match with Ricky Starks yet. So I, I think that's part of the problem, you know. I think if that match had already happened, we could have had some kind of setup here, you know? But they're just you know, it just circumstances happened the way they did, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So we got a backstage with Renee Paquette uh, with Keith Lee asking his thoughts on full gear. Lee didn't get one word out before Swerve walked in, put his hand over the camera and said they need to talk. We jump into our Orange Cassidy Jake Hager match, which we've already discussed. Post-match was pretty good. Recap of the Jack Perry Luchasaurus uh, cage match is shown. Perry said, as much as he resents Luchasaurus, he's glad he shared that moment with him after everything they've been through. That's some true shit, I bet. That that was some true shit. Ricky Starks, Ethan Page, uh, title eliminator tournament. Um, I, both of us are pretty stoked with, about this final here. We've we've talked about that at length. And Starks comes out. He's super taped up after the match with Lance Archer and Brian Cage. Um, Page really had an easy going early. He's going after the injured ribs. Stark tries to float over the rib in the corner. Uh, Page put the brakes on, punted the ribs. Uh, Page then played to the crowd as Starks hit a desperation spear, but it couldn't capitalize. Page drove Starks into the barricade and posted outside. And pretty much were made in control. And then we jump into picture in picture. Starks made a one-arm comeback, tried a tornado DDT. Page hung him up, rib first on the ropes again. Classic wrestling shit here, man. Working the fucking body part that's hurt. And Ethan Page just working the ribs over because it makes you feel for it. Starks ends up fighting back. Sent Page outside. He reluctantly tried to dive. But Hathaway shoved Page out of the way and Starks missed the mark. The referee ejected Hathaway for getting involved as we hit our second Hey, 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 goodbye chant of the evening. Page and Starks went up in the corner. Page tried an avalanche body slam, but Starks ended up hitting a superplex. Then Garrett, the meat slapping meat fest extravaganza continues. It's it's full blown. They're just swinging at each other. Starks ends up hitting a, a swinging net breaker and a nice tornado DDT for the two. He Starks couldn't get the Rochambeau. Page hit a power slam for two of his own. Starks avoided the Eagle's edge. Page missed a lariat and ate multiple spears from Starks to get a victory. Ricky Starks. MJF, winner is coming December 14th. Davinci? I think this is an awesome first match for MJF. 
Maxwell Jacob Friedman's literally facing a man named Starks at Winter is Coming. Lord Rickard. Oh, that was brilliant. Well, that was a great voice. What'd you think of the match and uh, the winner of Lord Rickard? Um, Charlie, I just got one question for you. I know you just asked me a question, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that douchey thing where you answer a question with a question. Um, not that that's a douchey thing. That's <laughs> what I decided it was. Um, Charlie, when when an ESC pillar collides with an AEW pillar, will the foundation of AEW ever be the same? The foundation can't be the same because of the screws and bricks. Fucking goddamn it! <laughs> no, the foundation, dude. This is. This is their this is their guy versus our guy. Fuck MJF. Fucking take it home, bud. Send him back and send him to the fucking E. Winter is coming. That's not Night the only King thing. Is coming. <laughs> oh, good shit, good shit. But yeah, um, solid match there, man. Um, you don't know. Nobody knows. We get, a, we get a quick recap of Samoa Joe winning the TNT title at full gear, along with some words of Wardlow saying it's still Wardlow's world. Sorry, bro. But it ain't. Uh, video of Jade Cargill confronting Bow Wow at his concert in Miami a few days ago. We we touched on the Bow Wow thing like a couple weeks ago. I didn't think they'd go anywhere with it, but sure fucking enough. Here we go. I thought it was just someone trying to hit on not realizing she's got like a, a kid and stuff with someone. But hey, fuck it. We roll. Renee Hell Paquette yeah. is backstage with Jade and the baddies. Ask what's going on. Jade says she's not giving any clout to that wag-ass rapper, and she welcomes Red Velvet back. Hello, what have we here? Uh, she's back to the baddies. Damn. Next week, they'll have a celebration since she's already been there, done that in Chicago. Uh, Mark Sterling came in. As you guys know, he used to be her former uh, lawyer, manager, whatever you want to say. And Cargill has no comment on Bow Wow. As Sterling served Kira Hogan papers saying she didn't live up to her end of the deal as a baddie and her services are no longer needed with Red Velvet back. So Layla Gray, she also dropped the interim tag this week and Kira Hogan is no longer a baddie. So what does this mean? Kind of alluded to it earlier. We were doing a little research. You know, when was Kira Hogan picked up? It sounds like November 19th is when they announced that she she had signed a contract or that Excalibur did. What's That's about a year ago. Is it possible Kira Hogan's contract has ran out and they just said, you know what? Velvet's back now. We got Layla Gray on this like ROH deal thing. This That ring, that like uh, lower tier deal that they're doing now. The same one that, uh, who else is on it? Anthony Henry's on it. Uh, Zach Clayton's on it. I believe Sky Blue was on it for Sky a while. Sky Blue, I think Willow might be too. Willow might be on on the full deal now, but other, Layla is currently on this lower deal. So maybe, just kind of under the rug, Kira Hogan has kind of been, her contract just ran out, and they said, you know what, now that Red Velvet's back, she was our initial like main baddie anyways. Sounds dumb when I say it like that, but she was kind of the first one. So, the baddest of the baddies, you might say? I love myself some red velvet. Good cupcakes, too. Uh, but yeah, we haven't, I haven't seen this anywhere. Do you think your Hogan's contracts is out? Is that maybe, it? Wait, uh, on, good cupcakes, too. Is, is, that, is that a euphemism? <laughs> it might be. But do you think uh, Kira <laughs> Hogan, the reason they did this is because her contract ran out, maybe? Or if they're just kind of moving this, a in a different direction? Yeah, I, so I, I will say this. AEW traditionally does not 
just like be like you're fired like they'll just not announce it and just not renew it so <clears throat> but that doesn't also mean she can't like two months from now announce that yeah actually i never i never wasn't signed i just went off for a little bit uh kind of like how brian cage did with ring of honor yeah, uh, we were like all pretty certain Brian Cage was going to end up in Impact. At least I was, and I would have been. I think that actually would have worked out for him fine, especially with how how great Josh Alexander's been doing there for a while. And they're basically the same wrestler. Sorry, it's true. Um, uh, but um, but I I do think it's possible. I mean, I don't. You know, it's not the kind of thing anyone's going to report on because. She's just not a big enough star yet. And I thought this was the thing that we're going to try and use to get her over. But apparently they decided it's not worth it anymore or something. I We were discussing like maybe maybe the reason why you go with Layla Gray and not uh, Kier Hogan here is because of the difference in the contract. You know, like, I don't yeah. know. It's possible. Um, but I don't, you know, until we actually hear something, it's just hearsay. But I mean, it is interesting that it, it would be coming up about now. Yeah, so... It's uh, I'm very interested to see how they run with that. I'm very glad Red Velvet's back. Uh, what they do next, I mean, we'll see. It's still, you know, Jade and the Baddies to me still sounds like a, a band. And, you know, it's we'll see what goes on here. We already touched on the trios match. So, right after the trios match, Renee Paquette is on stage and announced that due to her injuries, Thunder Rosa and uncertainty when she can return, AW has asked her to forfeit the women's title. This got a massive ovation from the crowd. Renee then introduces the new AEW Women's Champion, Jamie Hayter. So, before we kind of jump into all that, actually, yeah, we can just, Britt Baker pretty much said on Jamie's behalf that they never considered this the interim title. And then we Let jump into the match. Jamie talk. God damn it, Britt. Yeah, that, that's, uh, Jamie had a cool looking face there too. Like, hmm, what, what are you? Like, I know why she's champ. doing it because they're trying to play into when they do their match eventually, obviously. Yeah. Because that's going to be like one of the biggest matches of all time too. That'll like, be nice. Yeah. But like, and now, and now the, our babyface, probably of the feud, it ha- has the belt. So that's going to be really cool how that plays out. Yeah, so, like I think at one time they wanted, you know, I suggested maybe Jamie Hayter stay heel or something like that. And uh, people got fucking pissy on the internet about that because they never like hearing anything about wrestling that they don't agree with, you know. But um, but I cause I, I think Baker would be a way better babyface. And that's not against Jamie Hayter. I just think Jamie Hayter is just on fire right now, you know. But... Yeah, yeah, so that but, being I mean, said, I'm just, we suggested this a while back. Um, do not be surprised if as soon as Thunder Rosa gets back, she gets a title shot. Um, yeah, I'm sure she probably will still. And they even implied that in the fucking segment. They literally said they've reached a deal, which that's what you would assume that would mean would be that she's going to get a title shot when she gets back and that she's basically still interim champion. She's just not anymore officially, you know, um, which is probably how it should just work anyway. She didn't lose the title. She's not technically owed a title match. That's not never how it has actually technically worked, I don't think. But you know, you can make that the way that it works. The biggest thing that came out of this, though, I think, is um, the fact that Tony Storm's championship reign is going to count now. Yes. So Thunder Rosa now in the record books. Excuse me. She officially lo- dropped her title September fourth at All Out. That is when Tony Storm's reign started. As we covered with Tony Storm's reign, it was seventy six days. By far the shortest title reign, but that's taking nothing away from it. It was really good wrestling. It was, it was, it's one it was of the a, better ones. I it mean, was a really good title. It's up reign. there with, with Brit's long run and Sheeta's run, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, God, that Sheeta title run is so beautiful. And 
So, as we like to do, guys, when a title ends, we're going to go through her uh, her reign. So, let's go through Thunder Rosa's reign, which she ended up winning it um, at St. Patrick's Day Slam. Uh, so, this was March 16th. She won it against Britt Baker in the Steel Cage match. And this was the second of the matches. They had a match about two weeks before that that was really good. Then they had this match that closed the show. Really fun match. The celebration when she won it was just awesome. I, I remember we were both really high on that. That was just a – it was time. You know, Britt Baker's 290-day title reign. She it was, was the exact champion. same shit they did with private – or not private party. With, with fucking um, – it, 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 well, they probably should have put the fucking titles on private party like four times now. Let's be real. But um, even if it was just for a week, let's be real. I would have loved it. But um, – no, like I, I honestly, dude, like they missed the mark on shit so much. Like it's kind of sad. Like <laughs> they have to go back like a week or two later and oh, actually, that's what we meant. No, they're the champions. It's so annoying. Which man. yeah, because they redid this again a few months later with the acclaimed. Which I'm glad they didn't do it with Jamie Hader because part of me thought they were going to, but and and just put it on her at winter is coming, but. They didn't. They said, no, fuck it. She's winning in a full gear. And that worked out better because it ended up being more worth it when she did win it because we were all like, you know what? It's time, time now, actually. Yeah. No way disagreed at that point. So so then her first defense was about a month later, and that was against Nyla Rose. So, God, I forgot there was like a month where she wasn't on TV at all. Well, she she was on TV. She wasn't wrestling. Like they didn't have her defending. Yeah, it, it was it was backstage at all, and she or, was in like two minute promos where they were like in starting her music in the middle of her promo. Like, yeah, it was a, it was a little weird. But her match against Nyla at Battle of the Belts was solid. Nothing special. So then, about six weeks after that, she defends her title at Double or Nothing against Serena Deeb, in which was a fun feud. I gotta say. Yeah, that was one of the few that we actually enjoyed because it was just like they didn't think too hard about it. They said, we got two good wrestlers here. Let's just let them wrestle. And they did Let's let them roll. And that they did. So about two weeks after that, she jumps into her title match against Marina Shafir. And this was, you know, the match itself, nothing special. But the build here was Marina Shafir just beating the hell out of everyone. And she earned a title shot. So uh, no complaints about that. Forbidden Door, Thunder Rosa, Tony Storm. It was about eleven minutes. This match fucking kicked ass. This was a remember, really yeah, good. I match. remember us saying it was one of our favorites of the show. Yes, and it was a banger ass show. This, so that says a lot. This was a really good match. And then it wasn't a title match, but she then jumps into a world title eliminator. And God, I don't have the company off the top of my head. I'm gonna take a guess. It was TJPW. Maybe. Um, I believe you are correct. Where she wrestled Miu Yamashita in an eliminator match on Dark, where Yamashita won. We then jump into Fight for the Fallen. Thunder Rosa defeats Miu Yamashita in another 10-minute match. And another good match here. Jump into Battle of the Belts 3 on August 5th, where she defeats Jamie Hayter. And that was just kind of a quick little... uh, they were doing Thunderstorm against Britt and Jamie. And this was kind of, it felt like, it felt like we kind of knew Tony Storm would be the next champion. So this Jamie Hader, we're like, we, at the time, I remember. We it's were kind, kind of, of t- wild because this is before she had gotten injured and we were already saying yeah. 
Tony Storm. It felt like Tony Storm's just her presence around the championship was drawing her towards. She's going to eventually like, have to go for it, and yeah, so she then takes on Jamie Hader in an eleven and a half minute match. So she just to recap: Britt Baker, Nyla Rose, Serena Deeb, Marina Shafir, Tony Storm, Milia Mashta, Jamie Hader. Seven different matches for the world title, including the one she won. She then drops it at All Out, which would have been the Fatal 4-Way. And yeah, so in terms of match quality, just genuinely some really good matches in here. Tony Storm, Yamashita really stand out. I, when she won it off Brit, I loved. The Serena Deep thing, I know it didn't work for some people, but I like that style of match. And to me, it worked at Double or Nothing. It was about 17 minutes. And yeah, I just... I, I was very, very happy with Thunder Rosa's title reign. And I've replaced her now, but I did have her as my female wrestler of the year for a long time when we first started doing our awards. So I'll probably mention that when we do the awards too. But she was my female wrestler of the year for a long time. And I really hope, and I, I put out a tweet on our Eat Sleep Elite, I, I, I really hope she does well in her recovery and we see her back because I do miss Thunder Rosa. I miss her presence, her energy, and the taco vlogs. Like, I miss it all. So, Garrett, we just went through her 172-day title reign, which is the third longest title reign. Out of, we're on our seventh one now, but she was the fifth champion. And, yeah, so what was your favorite match? And uh, just, I guess, overall thoughts on her as the championship run. Yeah, I mean, at this point... um it's still a deadlock for me for for dark match of the year between Shota and and uh, sorry between I, I always call him a shooter between Shooter and Pac and Miyu and Thunder. It's a deadlock for me. I still haven't decided. Yeah. So I think I have to go with that one. Uh, the match that they had at the Princess of Princess event. Is it TJPW? Um, yes. Okay. Um, I, I didn't even look that up. I just remembered the event because they they talked about it a lot. But um, yeah, and uh, just. That match had was so much better than it ever had any right of being, and it did the thing we always asked for, Charlie. She won a fucking eliminator match that got her a title shot. Yep. I mean, if they had done something with Miyu Yamashita, that might have actually made her as a star, you know? But they didn't, so... I mean, they had her come back, but they didn't actually do anything with her after that, you know? But yeah, I still think that was... Um, I think that was probably my favorite. Um, and you mentioned, like, like you know, Wrestler of the Year is going to be tough this year. It really like, is, dude. So many of the of the top stars just did not get enough matches, you know. Like I might go back and, and put her as it. I mean, who knows? When we go to that week, I'm going to really kind of hone in and if there's stuff that changes. I've had the same one the entire time because it's just I don't even think it's like it's tough because like what Very are we tough. what are we judging here? Is it match quality? Is it who's had the best segments? Who's had the best angles? Because really yeah. that starts overall, to make it even more like the most, yeah. So we'll have to we'll have to like quantify some of this stuff a little bit more, but yeah, I mean it's 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 tough. I I may have to like really really reevaluate. It's gonna be one of those tougher categories, you know. So um, there are gonna be a couple of categories I think they could decide on this next episode of Dynamite. Though let's be real. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just a really great title reign. I I I think it'll get buried by the fact that she was hurt and then. People are now going to have the narrative to say that, oh, she took so long, she should have just dropped the title immediately. Meanwhile, it wasn't her fucking call, you know? Like, Yeah. And they did not think – she's probably not going to be back here for a little bit still. So they're probably like, you know what, we got to just move on here. I I am starting to think their original intention was maybe she'd be done a month. 
and then she'd be back rolling. But that is not well, the case. It was it's already like, been nearly three. So, but what was Punk gone for? Like two? So even two or three months, they would have still been fine with it. That was kind of the idea: is that it's going to be a shorter term injury. Yep. That we could go with it. It's obviously things just didn't work out. And they also didn't want to like clip the fucking wings of that great title ring they had going. You know what I mean? Like so, they didn't want to do that either. It was just a, it was a tough situation all around. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that'll uh, that'll do it for that. Thunderbolts. How nice! It's nice to sit back and talk about how much we liked title reign. Uh, some of these previous ones, like Wardlow, I felt like we were just. It was like, what the fuck was this title reign? Hey, no title reign will ever be as bad as Scorpio Skies. Oh, he's still gone. So, speaking of some more late ladies, we got the uh, women's hey, champion. Hey, where are the women at? Oh, they're right here. Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker, they defeated Sky Blue and Willow Nightingale, as well as another team of Ty Mello and Anna J.A.S. So, this was um, kind of a three-way tag, right? And Sky blue in them thigh high socks. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, most of this took place during the commercial. However, the last like ninety seconds of this match, it was fucking batshit crazy in a good way. I should clarify that people might not know what I mean. And they were just hitting everything left and right. There was some beautiful stuff. Sky blue selling the that was some of the best I've seen Sky blue sell. Like, I literally thought she got killed at one point. And, it, and if the last 90 seconds was any indication of the match that they can have, why why did we not just put this on a rampage, give it, like, 11 it's minutes, really and just have people go nuts? Literally. You can have all these big spots, and it will go well. Because no. nuts and bolts are, are bad, Charlie. <laughs> Son That's of a why. bitch. That being said, I, I was just complimenting her selling. Let me clarify. The curb stomp, that was not her best sell. So with the greatness, there's also some some roughness. And yes, because people might be like, what the fuck is this dude talking about? What's he looking at? No, that I, – I, no, no, I'm going to agree with you because every time I see Sky Blue match, a match that Sky Blue is in even, yeah. that she stands out. She's oh, Even when she's losing, she stands out in the match. She's it's legit, just, it's, man. It's there's something, something that there. you either have or you do not. Don't know why she has to be the one to eat the pin here. It's annoying as hell. I yeah. do like her move. I like her code red being called the code blue. That's a good call. It's a nice little touch. You know what I get bo- vibes of with Sky Blue? It, uh, this could totally bite you. You, you don't ass. want me to answer that question, but go ahead. <laughs> Son of a bitch. No, the vibes I get are like early Bailey NXT. I think she could be that lovable, cute baby face that we all want to root for that when she gets her time, she could... If she if she can elevate enough with her wrestling, I think there's a chance there. I get early Bailey vibes, not like championship vibes yet, but you know what I mean. The the lovable, cute baby face that we all want to root for because she. I still I see her as at least a TBS, if not a world champion. I don't see why why we couldn't say that. She's got talent. I don't see why anyone couldn't be a champion. You know, I'm just gonna say something. Fucking championships are kind of subjective because like. They're none of them are they're they're, they're not real. You know what I mean? Like I'm not. I, yeah. it's, I know it's like sacrilege to say on a wrestling podcast. Nobody's winning championships. Like these are it's all fucking subjective storytelling. So if you give Sky Blue the right story, she could convincingly be a champion. It's just are they willing to do that? You know, are they willing exactly. to do the work to get there? So far, it doesn't feel like it. You know, but we'll we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I I I would like to see them just get ten minutes of going absolutely fucking nuts. 
And Do you know who I think could give happen. Tony Storm or Tony Storm? Well, she could give Tony Storm a really good match too. But who I think uh, could give Sky Blue that fucking match um, that would make people see maybe a little bit? I think if you put her against Jamie Hader right now with the run that she's on, I think it's electric. I I could buy that. I could buy that. So the hate breaker by Hater led to Baker hitting a curb stomp on Blue to win it. Should clarify that. So, uh, yes, Britt Baker gets the pin. Um, yeah, Renee Paquette is backstage with Top Flight and FTR. Harwood said he hopes to take Top Flight to the tag division for years to come. Darius challenges FTR for ROH tag titles on Rampage Friday. I was kind of starting to rustle my jimmies a little bit here. The Acclaim came out to the ring to celebrate the title defensive full gear along with Daddy Ass. Bowen said his shoulder is feeling better. Billy Gunn ripped off his bandages on his hands. They're about to scissor. <sighs> Lethal Sanjay Singh and Jarrett appear. Fucking Jarrett, man. Seriously. Slap nut. Loud TNA sucks chance. Caster had mentioned Lethal and Jarrett as rap coming to the ring. Jarrett did the same promo. Pretty much they does all the time. Uh, Gunn cut him off. Says he could scissor with the acclaimed. And that was pretty much literally all that happened. I'm cool with. If it's like lethal and sing, I guess, or lethal and dub, but I, it's going to be lethal and fucking nah, it's going to be it's going to be a six man tag, and it's going to be Jarrett, lethal, and Satnam versus fucking acclaimed and Billy Gunn. <sighs> well, I could live with that. I want to see Satnam. Like it's just going to be boring because um, you know, Satnam. Give me Satnam at least. Like I want to see this guy in a, in a again in a base more big because spots, like Satnam's good, but like I just don't know if he can have that kind of match that the other three have. How you know I mean? how is I'm blanking on his name. Agogo. How are Agogo and Satnam Singh literally not on every elevation in ramp and dark right now? At least one of them. Agogo is fascinating because he's ready to wrestle. Like the last right? thing I heard about when him was we're that he was like, these where the fuck shows? are my matches? Like, like, I don't get it. These, these, these rampage, these, these shows have been recorded in front of the live audience. Why are we not putting Satnam Singh out there? Ugh. It's he a good can question. benefit from this so much. And maybe he doesn't want to look embarrassing on dark matches. I, I don't know, man. It's weird. But a I go-go, can see that because like, he's a big dude, and like that's hard to recover as a big dude wrestler if you fuck shit up. You know, like, look at what it did in Kali's career. Yeah, but you know, you know like, if we're if we're feeding the trolls, at least it's dark and no one watches, right? So, I yeah. whatever. You know, it is what it is, right? Um, Garrett, have you take us through this one? ROH World Champion Chris Jericho, Tomohiro Ishii, our main event for the ROH World Championship. We had a slap fight to start things up. And, uh, I'm going to snag a pineapple. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, it was a really great match. So Jericho has honestly, I think, it's not even like a question anymore. I think it's pretty obvious, especially with the clip he's defending the championship at at this point. He is probably already the greatest Ring of Honor champion of all time. Um, there are some people that are going to be like, oh, Samoa Joe's title reigns length. Okay, whatever. But like, they could decide that that's just not a thing anymore and just have him beat it. So that's irrelevant right now, in my opinion. I think Jericho's run with the Ring of Honor title could end up weirdly being the best title run of his career, which is going to say, people are going to be like, oh, but what about this? What about that? Whatever. I don't care. Because... This, to me, feels like the one time where Jericho is not benefiting from having a title, but the title is benefiting from having Jericho. Not that there's never been a situation like that. I think when he had the AEW world title, there was some of that there. But I think this is so much more because 
I don't think if Ring of Honor wasn't, excuse me, let me re- let me restart that sentence. I do not believe that Chris Jericho would have been Ring of Honor World Champion, except for maybe at the very tail end of his career, if Ring of Honor wasn't picked up by AEW. Certainly, if the company went under and just disappeared, he wouldn't have. But even if it had somehow continued to exist beyond whether AEW got it or not, I don't know if he would have been Ring of Honor World Champion. Um, but the way things go, Jericho can now provide to the title this sort of legitness and the the weight that comes with a champion like with the with the pedigree i'll use that word uh to 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 add value to that championship and not just be you know being made by it that's a good point Um, that's a good point and now to get into the actual match because i just you know spent three minutes just talking about jericho as champion um they had a little slap fight like i said this was like meat slap and meat fest of meat fat slap and meat fest we had ground Uh, beef chest fast Whoo, man, I've never seen somebody's chest bleed open the way. Like, it was pouring blood out of Jericho's chest. That was, that was gnarly. Um, it was the amount of strikes in this match. Like, if you tried to do it like a UFC fight where it's like they, you know, they see the certain who's got more strikes and so on. And, like, I wonder what that would have looked like for this match. It would have been insane. Um, there was a DDT on the apron. There was a, uh, oh, there was a really great spot where he hit the lion salt. After uh, Ishii did a little collapse spot, he hit a lion salt, which was a great little touch because he's like, oh, he's down. I'll take the opportunity. But then he kicked out at one. This was an <clears> Ishii-style <throat> match, Charlie. Yeah. yeah, I didn't mention that's, yep. who, that's who he was facing is Ishii. Um, but yeah, he was facing Ishii, and he and this was his style of match that he would have in, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in New Japan. And uh, he had a really, really, really nice lariat at one point. And then as Jericho was trying to get him to tap out. He gave him the middle finger while he was locked in the lion tamer, which I just love. And then he taps out and Chris Jericho gets the W. Um, It wasn't like a super complicated match. There wasn't like a bunch of high spots. There wasn't a bunch of craziness. It was just pure power and striking. And that's exactly the kind of match you want from Ishii. And Jericho went to attack Ian Riccoboni. Riccoboni. Boney. Little fucking little Ian Wikipedia was about to get fucking slapped up, and fucking Claudio laid him the fuck out, bud. Yeah, he did. And that was how the show went off the air. Yeah, man, this this, that was a fun little match. I gotta say, I'm with you there. The the ground beef chop forever, uh, shit like that. That was like it's an Ishii match to its core, you know. Yes, that's what that was. Claudio, I. uh, Uh. I'm into it. I'm a little worried. I gotta say, it, it does feel a little weird that Jericho could have literally won the title off Claudio, beats everybody, and then just drops it back to Claudio. That feels a little weird to me. It does feel so. a little weird, but with the stakes they put on it, which you, you know I'm about to hop into, it uh, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. So yeah, that was dynamite. Uh, closing with our ROH World Championship. Yeah, good. Some good matches here, some good stakes on the line, and uh, I mean, literally, we had stake at the end with Jericho's chest. So, literally, jumping yeah. into Rampage. So this is Rampage, baby. This was a special time of four p.m. Uh, those of you guys that caught it at four p.m., what would you think of that? Um, I was, I didn't catch Rampage at four p.m. here, so I, I'm wondering how the numbers did. Now everyone uh, enjoyed that, but um, we get kicked off. Oh. FTR and top flight for the ROH World Tag Team Championship. I 
This is one of our pillars, Dante Martin. Him and his brother Darius in top flight. It's been a rough road because of the injuries. It didn't end because supposedly Dante Martin might have gotten hurt at the end here and no one knows the extent of it yet. But the match, I thought FTR. What a year they're fucking having, man. This tag team is just on such a roll. And they were trying, and they succeeded doing this. They were grounding the Martin brothers here. They did not let them take the top rope multiple times. The, Dante was going through his entire like motion of a comeback towards the end here. He gets to the top rope. Dax just steps out of the ring. It's shit like that that I buy into so much because I love when wrestlers are smart. I, I love it so much. I don't like when my wrestlers are dumb. It is a little bit of a pet peeve of mine that, you know, I'm sure you guys have caught on to over the over the time you've listened to this. But FTR, what makes them so special is they're so smart. And, yeah, I, I thought the match was just absolutely excellent. Uh, towards the end here, Harwood, you know, he hits Darius with a short-arm clothesline. They went for the big rig on Dante. Darius broke it up. Dante caught Wheeler with a sunset flip into a jackknife cradle for a near fall. Dante hit a spinning DDT on Harwood. He came up off the top rope with a frog splash for a near fall that was broken up by Wheeler. Wheeler hit a really nice uppercut on Darius, which sent Darius flying into the ropes. On the rebound, Darius used the momentum of the ropes to hit a Spanish fly on Wheeler. Harwood caught Darius with a brain buster. Harwood tried a brain buster on Dante, who cowered into a small small package for a near fall. Dante tried several pinfall attempts on Harwood, but Harwood kept escaping. Finally, Dante went for the nosedive. Wheeler avoided it. Harwood caught him with a perfect position for the big rig. Wheeler covered Dante for the one, two, three. FTR retains. These ROH tag titles get another fucking beautiful match in their resume. And it was short. I know, you know what? Fuck it. It wasn't short. It was 11 minutes. It had some time to breathe. But this was a fun little match. Uh, and another one in the year of FTR. Uh, what would you think of this one? And uh, our boys, FTR, taking on one of our pillars and top yeah. flight. Good stuff. We got the little double leapfrog spot from our boys. Uh, the combination that FDR did to avoid a roll up, I thought that was good. They just like I think they just latched onto their. I believe they latched their hands together. It's just smart shit, you know. Like yeah. You were saying I like my wrestlers smart. Um, both them, both teams looked phenomenal in this match, but I thought especially Darius just looked phenomenal, and it really makes me sad that Dante might be fucking hurt, man. Like, God, just another fucking break in the momentum. Maybe this, maybe this is a blessing in disguise for Darius, though, because maybe he can go on a little singles run now, and then they both are singles wrestlers, and then they don't have to be a tag team when they come back, you know? Um, yeah. And maybe that's the curse is that they're working together, and as, as awesome as it would be, maybe that's the problem. Maybe they just need to be separate for a little it's a while. Fucking curse, but. Um, yeah, I mean, really good stuff. Dax the Axe, you know, firing on all cylinders. Um, it's going to be a real tough to dethrone Dax as wrestler of the year for me. I'm going to be honest with everybody. Um, and now he's getting a Danielson match. It's like I said, that match could be the thing that seals it. Cause right now it's still a toss up for me between him and Moxley. Right. Especially if Moxley goes on to have another banger match with like, I don't know, Danielson or MJF or whoever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I still think it's going to be close, but unless Mox cuts like another ridiculously insane promo, like I think I think it's pretty locked up. But we'll see. But the Danielson match could seal it. So like, Dax is just on on the roll of a lifetime right now. Well put. Um, after the match, the Gun Club taunted FTR from the entrance ramp. 
Again, I'm sort of just uh, setting up our final battle, which, you know what, let me, when is final battle? Uh, December 19th, I believe. Okay. Is it 9th or 19th? December 10th. So it will, it will be, since these are AEW guys, we can mention them during our, that will be after, before our award. So that'll be cool. And maybe another FTR match. Could that be the gun club match that we're looking for? Um, Powerhouse Hobbs vignette aired with some screws and bricks. And I mean, I was getting the vibe he was in for a bigger push. And yeah, but there were screws and bricks. So yeah, so it was all fucked. Chris Jericho and the Jericho Appreciation Society Society came out to brag about Jericho's recent victories. Jericho believed he has no more challenges. Claudio came out, asked for another shot at the ROH world title. Claudio believed he'd lost because of the lack of confidence he had in himself. But he said it feels like his confidence is back. Jericho rejected this because he had nothing to offer him. But Daddy Magic Matt Menard had an idea. This Castagnola used to be a pretty good sports entertainer. He could be an asset as a member of the Jericho Appreciation Society. The match is made for final battle. Jericho, Cassinoli for the ROH World title. But if Jericho wins, the Cassinoli joins the JAS. Whoa. Didn't see that coming. Uh, I did not think that would be the stakes on the line. Honestly, I, I like that being the stakes because now I'm, I'm even more interested. In yeah, the I mean, result. it's one of those things where, like, you know. It, the story will be interesting enough anyway, even if Jericho retains. So, yeah. You know. So it would be the second Blackpool Combat Club member that he's just yoinked to, which would be awesome. I mean, I guess technically Daniel Garcia wasn't officially a member, yeah. but he was a, more or less a member, you know, like he was in everything but name. Like, yeah, absolutely. So, um, Going off, but of I that, don't actually know. I mean, if they have a good storyline, but if they don't have a good storyline, just give it, give, give, just put back on Claudia. You know what I mean? Like, because there's really no reason to do that if you don't. Like, if your plan is not to have Jericho drop it, this is completely pointless. You know, like so. I think that's kind of an indication that we might be at the end of this title title run here already, which is kind of crazy. But which has been a fucking insane title run, which like you were saying. So, Renee Paquette, she's interviewing Tony Storm, who's got two black eyes. Look like, uh, yeah, What she asked what's next for her. I broke my face losing that title. I'll break my face getting it back. I just love Renee Paquette being here, man. She's seriously. She, I feel like I've said this a bunch of times. I feel like she just feels more legit than the other interviewers. I don't know why, except for Tony Schiavone. Like, I, I, there's something about it. Maybe because she has been she did it for so long, it's just natural for her. I don't know. Darby Allen. Anthony Henry, Excalibur mentioned Allen and Henry have a history that predates their AEW careers. Uh, Henry dropped to the floor. Allen for his high-speed Planka, but hit J.D. Drake instead. Henry took Allen down with a back heel trip onto the ring apron. Henry whipped him into the ring barricade. We then get from back from the break, and uh, Henry had Allen hanging upside down in the corner, kicking him. He pulled Allen out of the corner into the hangman's neckbreaker for a near fall. Henry missed a knee drop, and Allen caught him with the code red for a near fall. The fight went to the floor. Drake caught Allen with a forearm. Sting clotheslined Drake and whipped him into the barricade. Sold the hell out of that. Yeah, Sting, he did. By the way. Back in the ring, Henry suplexed Allen from the top rope. Allen reversed another suplex attempt and with the Scorpion death drop. Allen then delivered the coffin drop off the top rope for the pinfall. And Allen ends up picking up the victory here. This was seven minutes. I don't what know a- why this match didn't get more time. I mean, I... But- but for the seven minutes, what a fun little fast-paced yeah. rampage match 
that it shows that they know Anthony Henry can just give you like a solid match too. So they can just throw him against anybody. And it's like, yeah, fine. He'll do good. I think Anthony Henry's going to have a good year in 2023. I, I really I, hope he is like ring of honor, pure champion. He's going to be one of those names I talk about kind of when we're like forecasting the future, like during our awards a little bit, like, you know, who could be the next stars? Anthony Henry, man, I would not doubt his 2023 being something special because did he take the pin here? Yes. But like you just said, they trust him. And they trust him to go out here and have a fun match with Darby Allen. Because, I mean, we had our opener match. and then But our last two matches weren't really matches. So this was like kind of one of two matches here. That, uh, it was fast too. This Yes. God, this felt like a Ring of Honor match. You know, I remember there was a Ring of Honor match with Punishment Martinez and Marty Skrull. Who, uh, Punishment is now... Uh, what the fuck's his name in NXT? Or, uh, Damian Priest. Damian Priest. There it is. They had one of the coolest sub ten minute matches I've ever seen. And when I get when I watch matches like this, it reminds me of that. And dude, there was a I ten minute four way lucha scramble match. I believe that featured Anthony Henry. I'm not even joking. At the ring or the Ric Flair, like the Ric Flair's fucking last fucking jamboree, fucking hoo ha, fucking <laughs> fuckity fuck. Uh, I agree. Um, and I think I remember that was like barely ten minutes, and I was like, yeah. If it had been longer, it would have been lame, but it was good. Let him matches go. are usually you know, quick, and it, hey, I like it. Lexi Nair interviewed Athena about a suspension she apparently got for hitting Aubrey Edwards last week. Athena apologized, chased Lexi away, and challenged Mercedes Martinez for the ROH Women's Championship. I love the fire in this promo. The I, heel Athena gold rush has begun. Oh, my God. Heel Athena kicks fucking ass. Hey, she can kick my ass, too, eh? Straight up, straight up. Hikaru Shida defeated Queen Aminata. Shout out Queen Aminata, making it to Rampage. She posted a cool little story about she made the gear herself. She wasn't sure if she was even wrestling, but she drove, you know, a couple hours to get there. It all worked out. And um, real quick on Queen Aminata, she is wrestling it in TJPW. So good for her. She She's going to make her way over there and... That's that's really cool. I mean, my bad. I totally fucked that up. But anyways, yeah, so that's really cool. And Queen Aminata went for the air raid crash. She'd encountered with a sunset flip for a near fall. She had hit a forearm and a falcon arrow, then hit a spinning knee strike for the pinfall. So I got my names mixed up here. I thought I was talking about Trisha Dora. I had in my notes written Trisha Dora. That was not the name. But Trisha Dora is wrestling in TJPW. Queen Aminata, she did make her gear. She did make the drive. Fuck it. Sign up both. Um, Agreed. Queen Aminata, you know, she's had some I still really think good Trisha Dora could be the foundation for your Ring of Honor women's division. Like, yeah. unironically. I had Trisha Dora on the brain. I don't know why. But yes, Trisha Dora is wrestling in TJPW. And yeah. So, I, just. L- little shout out to JR for having every time that they've had Aminata on TV has noticed her, which I think suggests that he sees something in her too that I've also seen, which is there's something there. I don't know what it is, but it's there. Yeah, it really is. And uh, so that's pretty cool. And oh, the other thing is we had Bunny and Penelope enter during this segment, which I guess suggests that's who Sheeta's going to be feuding with next, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm cool with that. That works for me. So, yeah. Uh, uh, Queen Aminata hey, is know, wrestling. I'm just thinking, if she needs a tag partner, there's another really popular Jap. Well, there's a couple other really popular Japanese female wrestlers in in AEW if they wanted to go that way. But they could just also be like Sky Blue or something like that. But 
I don't know. Give Yuka, give give uh, Riho a spot here. Why not? We don't fucking Riho disappeared again. Like, come on. She did disappear again, but I'm not completely crazy. Queen Aminata is wrestling in Japan next week in the AAAW. So, okay, I I'm like, wait a minute. I know what I saw. So this, okay, you cross the streams. It's all right. I, I cross the You're streams. They're both Queen Aminata and Trisha are going to Japan. Good for them. Fucking both talented. I'm an advocate for anyone going to Japan, getting the shit kicked out of them for a couple of years and then coming back because it's a great way to build yourself up as a wrestler. You know, like you learn so much, like, and it's such a different style, you know? You know so, who I would advocate to go to Japan? Ty Mello and a JAS. Yeah, but I they think would need they to go could, over there for a while. That's a problem. Like, they, they I think be able they could completely disappear. They would be so gone for so long. It would be it would be noticed. Like it very well could be, but it is a uh, man. They could do some serious work over there. And oh they, yeah, I mean, it'd be fun. It'd be fun. I, I would be really interested in, in like kind of watching what happens. So, all right, moving on to the main event. J.K. Lexinair interviewed FTR and Hardwood Chase Nair away. He challenged Brian Danielson to a match on Wednesday, and this match was immediately made by Excalibur in the Dynamite Rundown. Uh, I'm going to lay you the floor with that. Danielson and Dax Harwood wrestling. I mean, it's going to be a banger. I mean, that's going to be potential match of the year candidate. Uh, it's going to be maybe Danielson's best match in AEW so far. Uh, I'd love it. And that's a lot, because I still don't think anything's passed up him and Kenny, but... Uh, I think it could. I think it's a possibility. It could be his best match in AEW so far because Dax is a perfect, perfect matchup for him. I mean, talk about a guy that gets wrestling. Yeah, he does. And like you said, he's on he's on a really good path right now for wrestling Oof. here. But into our most emotional uh, kind of thing of the night. Damn. The drama with this segment, man. Roosh, the Butcher and the Blade, taking on John Silver, Alex Reynolds, and 10. Now, this has been a background story for, God, I wish I had the exact date. It's It's been about it three It feels months. like for about 15 fucking months, but it, yeah. It, it does, but I, I think it's been about three or four months when the assistant first made a pitch to kind of getting 10. And at the time, we were like, oh, you know, they're trying to recruit to the LFI, but this is just an LFI, uh, you know, a little feud for him. You know, they just brought in Dragon Lee, this and that, and then they kicked Dragon Lee out, of course. But we're like, all right, we're just keeping an eye on this because the Butcher and the Blade are in them now. What's going on? Ten missed the pre-match interview. I'm like, okay, the, the this is a three-on-two match. You know, uh, the match is going on, yada, yada, yada. El Toro Blanco looked fucking Awesome, by the way, in his get up next to the butcher and the blade. What a cool, visually appealing is the word there, right? Seeing him lined up with the butcher and the blade, A, it could be a fucking meme. B, it just looks badass. And you know what? I saw someone mention this, and, and it's a great point I want to bring up. I, I want to say it was Righteous Reg. I apologize if it wasn't. He He had mentioned, you're on TV. Take advantage of it. Look good. You know, you're a star. Everyone here, WWE, AEW, you're a fucking star. And they were kind of mentioning how whenever Zelina Vega's on TV, she always looks like a million bucks. And, you know, when I see El Toro Blanco with the Butcher and the Blade here, that's what came across my mind. I'm like, 
These guys literally look like they're in a fucking action movie. They look like the big villains that you, your your characters are scared of. And who's our main characters here? Oh, it's the Dark Order. Probably some of the biggest baby faces we can have from here on out. And it only continues here. So as I get that out of the way, whoever mentioned that, I fully agree with you. And uh, so. Hell yeah. Ten finally shows up. He's there with Evil Uno negative one. Ten's here. Yes. He runs out to the ring. He's super excited. There's a brief stare down with Roosh. He floors Silver with a clothesline. Evil Uno tried to run in. He's cut off by the butcher and the blade. Roosh then hit the bull's horn in the corner on Silver for the pinfall. One, two, three. Whoa. Ten has turned on the Dark Order. All of a sudden, we kind of mentioned last week. It was either last week or the week before. When stuff started to change, he kind of actually walked away from the interview like, eh, whatever. You know? Uh-huh. It was like, hold on. There's a shift in the element here. And we, we touched on that. And now he's officially turned on the Dark Order. He takes off his mask, lays it in front of Negative One. Now, Negative One, I'm just going to kayfabe it here. He he was just so emotional. You know, if he could cry on demand, he if he could cry on cue, he would be fucking bawling his eyes out. He was. This was the hand picked from Brody Lee. I mean, and he just laid his mask. In, shit, that's like Ten's best. Or sorry, that's well, Ten's best friend too. But it's it's negative one's best friend. Like he's yeah. his protector. Like, and he laid the mask in front of him. Preston Vance. I'm assuming he's going to go back to that. Maybe he'll get a new name. Has joined Roosh and the Butcher and the Blade. He is part of Los Los Faxiona Gobernables, LFI. My God, if Andrade comes back, we still don't know what's up with that, but if Andrade, Preston Vance, and Roosh, what a fun little trio that we have here. And I'm glad he took off the mask because I'm we mentioned this before. I can't well, that. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Is this literally the first time we've seen him without the mask on TV? On TV, yes, but in the actual Nightmare Factory stuff, no. He, okay. He's always without the mask in that. There's no right. hiding it. So I've always said he's a good-looking guy. He doesn't need this mask, and that's not a, a dig on people who wear them. But he, you can add a different style to him because he is a good-looking guy. And this just – to me – And I'll just say the other thing, which is it's going to help him to sell himself. It's the truth. It will. Like masked wrestlers – Look at I mean look at Uno. Uno is great. Uno's actually a pretty technically sound wrestler, but I feel like if Uno didn't have the mask, it would be tougher for him, as we saw, because of the no hair thing. But um, uh, I, I still think it, it's harder to sell yourself when nobody knows what you look like, unless you're just like a luchador, and then like everyone just accepts it because it's part of the culture. But like it's weird when Americans do it. I'm just going to be honest. Like, so I so maybe he I, goes I respect back it, to, but if you're not Cody just Vance? a luchador. I'll give you an example, right? Like, Sammy Zayn Canadian, not American, but El Generico. Okay, he was doing a lucha gimmick. You know what I mean? I'm I'm with that, you know? But, like, yep. it, but it, it felt unnecessary. Um, it also felt like they were just trying to hold on to that mask thing for so long, you know? And, like, nobody else besides him and Uno really wore masks after, like, two days. You know, like, so, not really. But it felt like they all took their masks off pretty quickly, you know, like... Um, I can tell you what I what I wrote down in my notes though, Charlie. Go ahead. And this is like some super long term, like down the line storytelling that I'm thinking about. But you know what's going to be an electric ass feud one day? 
negative one versus ten. I could see it. If the kid's a decent enough wrestler. I have no idea if the kid will even Assuming he, he can kind of pick it up like Nick Wayne did and he's going early and we know at 18 years old he can be in AEW. I mean, it seems like they are trying to train him, but I mean, you can't really train a kid to wrestle, but they're probably teaching him what they can, you know what I mean? And, trying and, to and we advice. also don't know if he's like, if this is exactly, you know, who knows? It might not be what he exactly wants to do. And the cool thing is, I think regardless of whether he ever wrestles for the company, they'll probably keep him under contract, you know? Like, oh, yeah. So I, at least his dad will be, so they'll have that. But I mean, like, um, but like, I mean, he certainly will, will always be a part of the AW family. And even if it's just like, he's just like a 30 year old guy in the crowd in 20 years, you know what I mean? Assuming AW is still around then, like, great. You know, it's a great part of the history that they can always reference back to, but yep. it just, it added so much more into this moment. We don't see negative one on TV too much. And the moments when we do, it should be, it should feel impactful in this felt impactful and it i feel like to it yeah for the first time and i don't know how long charlie i'm actually interested in what the fucking dark order we're gonna do yeah i mean and, and yeah. it's not that they're bad they just they're never in an interesting story you know they just don't have enough time on the show or something i don't know well this this kind of brings up another question here the dark order have lost some members recently yeah, is this where they collapse into dust completely? Stoop. I feel like we can't do that yeah. at the same time we're doing the Blackpool combat. One of them has to be sticking together, like one of the two factions. We can't I do it at the same time. I think it's time they recruit. Son of a bitch, it's time. Um, and I mean, is this where they bring the blondes in? Is that it? Bring in the blondes. Bring, bring in Fuego. I don't. I don't care who it is. You need to bring in some. Bring in Fuego waves and curls. I. You know what? I'd be okay. I still want that trio. That was a great trio. It's got to be. It's got to be someone, because look, all of these guys, none of them were over when they joined this group. This group had a really hard time getting over. Brody Lee absolutely skyrocketed it. And it, a little bit before that, they started kind of catching their feet in the AEW stuff. So I'm going to give them credit there. But Stu Grayson, Alan Angels, Colt Cabana, Anna Jay, Preston Vance, all gone since March or May second. May second, six months. We've lost five members. That's now we're down to Evil Uno. That's crazy. Alex Reynolds, John Silver, and Negative One. It might just be time for them to just end it. I mean, I don't know. Like, See, but I, I'm torn on that too. I, I think you keep it because they'll always be baby faces, right? They're like your. This is gonna sound mean. They're like your babyface version of the factory where they will always be cheered on dark. You can always send them out in front of a live crowd because everyone's going to cheer for them. But I think it's time we seriously start consider recruiting. Angels is, is signed to impact. He's gone. Cole Cabana, he's going to do the ring of honor thing. I don't think they're bringing him back full time. And Especially if CM Punk comes back, he'll definitely stay in ring of honor if that's the case. Like Hangman's got a concussion. <clears throat> you know, Preston Vance gone. Yeah, I guess that's the other thing is like they the, the way they could have solved this like four months ago is if Hangman just officially joined the Dark Order, but they just won't pull that trigger. And it's and I will always go back to this: it is that they they clearly view the Dark Order as a bunch of nerds. Whether that was originally what they were supposed to be or not, that's what they are now because of the horrible shit that went down. You know that no one had any control over. Like, so they could bring back the creepers. <laughs> I mean, here's what they could do. They could try and take it seriously again. Put just a run it as a trio, leader maybe? character in there. Maybe it'd be that Uno like they tried to set up a little bit. Or maybe 
Um, maybe, uh, I don't know, you could just bring somebody in. You know, maybe Malachi takes over some nonsense. You know what I mean? Something. You could do something, right? I don't really want to see that happen to the House of Black, but if those were the three members you added, I don't think that would hurt the group. It definitely would help the group. I just think it would suck that we lose the House of Black, but, you know, whatever, you know? Um, as a faction, you know, we wouldn't lose the opposite people, but, you know, I... It's it's a tough one because like I don't think you I kind of agree with you I don't think you can just get rid of them but maybe they just don't get used as much and maybe Silver and Reynolds just start getting talked about as Silver and Reynolds and they can still wear the colored gear but it's not really the Dark Order I feel like that might be the best move for everybody involved because like what are you gonna do with Uno now he doesn't have a tag partner he doesn't have any are you gonna use him in a singles role like maybe. But I think I'd much rather use both and or both either Silver or Reynolds in a singles role more if I'm going to use any yeah. of the three. Well, they haven't even kind of had people try and join them lately. They have that hasn't been. Well, a no, pitch. I, I'm agreeing. With, I agree with the recruiting thing, but I just I you know you got the blondes. You got. Um, Let me throw one at you. Okay. Veteran. Babyface. What if they bring in Dustin Rhodes? Uh, okay, I, th- I think people have suggested that before. I don't know that Dustin Rhodes would be interested in that at this point in his career. I, th- I think he's pretty much done wrestling, isn't he? I, I don't know. He did the little thing with Archer, and then that was kind of it, right? I think that was when I heard about it, was roughly around then. I think he might have decided around then to take less. Cause we haven't, I mean, we haven't seen a match since then, and I don't think it's injury-related, I don't think. So I yeah, would I'm think not it sure. would be by choice, you know? I mean, if you want to go really all out, you bring in, like... If you can snag someone on the level of like a Wardlow, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. You know who would be actually really good for the Dark Order, and I think they they could use um, a female in there. Maybe Sky Blue. I I would actually really like that. Or um, I'll tell you the money pitch. Actually, it's Adam Cole, right? Oh, they no, do, I just figured out that they perfect. do the budget. It's not, it's not Sky Blue, although she's got great energy. It's fucking Willow, dude. She's like tailor made for the Dark Order. Let's be real. I would wholesomely welcome that. I would love that, but I don't and think they'll do that either. I, I think I think if they do add members, it'll be more men. That's, or, that's why I'm just. I always go back to Fuego. I think Fuego makes the most sense. He is liked. He has the mask. Not that that's a requirement. No, but, and I think no, but Fuego. I think a Fuego mask that's purple and like whatever the hell the colors are, like oh, that'd be pretty cool. I think he's explosive enough in the ring, and there's still that untouched potential, which we always go back to Jor Joel. Uh-huh. But I don't know. We haven't uncovered a Jor Joel personality that I think could fit the Dark Order yet. But maybe he's got it. But I, I always go back to Fuego and Griff. Griff Garrison has that personality. I, I fucking swear by it. I've seen this guy is funny. So, but. Yeah, I mean that's something we we could talk about uh, for hours on end. Who could join the Dark Order? I do hope they start recruiting. Join them. us, or just officially acknowledge that they're a trio and they're going to run as a trio. Because I don't want to see this group end. I really like them. So, because the factory have been recruiting, they've been recruiting big dogs. Maybe not to a lot of people, but Shoddy Lee Johnson and Cole Carter. That's that's some legit shit. I, I've really liked those additions, especially Shoddy Lee. Well, well, it's funny too because it makes the Dark Order kind of look, at least if we're just talking in kayfabe, like really silly because everybody else like had multiple factions completely build up and they just aren't adding new members because why? You know, what if? Nah, I'm also we'll save that for another day. I was gonna say Nyla Rose. Wait, what if you go all out with her as the baby face? Because she's got that personality, and we kind of saw a little you bit. Probably of have to do a little bit more work to get there. Yes. Yeah. 
Nyla's not really a baby face. Is bringing right now. Nyla and Serpentico is that going too far? Um, Serpentico is another one of those ones who I think is also taking more of a backstage role. So I don't think that would. I don't think that's yeah. really a thing. It is kind of weird how some of these people who you thought were like right on the edge of maybe being used on TV just decided to be backstage roles. I wonder what the deal with that was. Like if that was always the plan. You know, Fuck fair it, enough. Get Ruffin, the matches out if you can, but like I don't know. It seems kind of <laughs> weird, you know. Yeah. So. Well, that'll be it for us, guys. Uh, real quick, preview next week, Harwood Danielson. Oh, my God. Cargill TBS title celebration. Since they've done that before, I'm curious what they're going to do. Although my expectations are... Oh, it's are, the same I thing. Mean, it's going to be her next title contender, yeah, obviously. My expectations are not silly. too high on that. But if they bring out Bow Wow and we get some like really cool social media stuff, I'd consider that a success. We get Bow Wow's chosen champion, Kiera Hogan. Ooh. Willow Nightingale versus Anna J. Go Willow. Best of seven, Death Triangle of the Elite. And AW World Champion MJF is here. So that's next week. It should be some fun stuff. But yeah, uh, hope you guys liked the little thing where we did at the beginning with Andor. Um, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna add that to our title so you guys aren't like shocked by that because that's what we did before with Kenobi when we reviewed it. So yeah, um, if if any of you guys like that, let us know. I mean, I, I would like to do more of that in the future where we kind of intertwine, get closer to a two-hour show. We we don't have time limits on our show. Um, and if you like the quality of it, if you guys are like, man, you guys, the show's been sounding good lately. Yeah, we've we've switched over from our old one. We were using Zencaster, but that kind of shit the bed. If you guys record audio, you know what we're talking about. It, it went under pretty much. So um, our new one now, it, it makes our mic sound better. It's free which I didn't know about. It's been free this entire time, and I had no idea. And honestly, I can't believe I didn't notice. (laughs) This entire time, we could have been using this. So that's pretty funny. But yeah, we will catch you guys on the flip side, and uh, we'll catch you. (gasps) (laughs) Oh, yeah.